0: Welcome back to Technotopia. I'm your host, John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Nick Monfort. He is a professor of digital media at MIT. This is Technotopia. I'm talking to small business owners right now. It's time to be honest about how we feel when dealing with our day-to-day admin work. We cannot stand it. It is a total grind. The truth is, over 5 million small business owners felt exactly the same way until they discovered FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the dead simple cloud accounting software that's transforming how small business owners handle their paperwork. Using FreshBooks, you can create an invoice in 30 seconds. There's no formulas or formatting, just perfectly crafted invoices. With FreshBooks Online Payments, your clients can pay you online, which means you end up getting paid faster. There's also a super handy deposit feature. You can invoice for a payment upfront when you're kicking off a project. And finally, FreshBooks can even show you whether or not a client has looked at the invoice that you've emailed. This is only a fraction of what FreshBooks can do for you, and you owe it to yourself to feel the full effect of FreshBooks on you and your small business. For a 30-day free trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash tech and enter Techtopia in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Nick Monford. He's professor of digital media at MIT. And an author of about a book about the future. It's called "The Future," which is very helpful for us because this is what the podcast is about, right?
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> okay. So, so why don't you tell us about the book? I'm, I'm assuming it's not a, a compendium about exactly what's going to happen, right?
1: No. Uh, there. Are, well, there are some of those. Uh, there's. Uh, there are also books that are about a disciplinary perspective on the future, sort of future studies. Um, There are books that are about, uh, historically, how people have viewed the future and what sort of imaginings people have had. Um, So my book relates to uh, that perspective a bit, but really um, it's trying to find the principles behind future making, the way that different people, some of whom are artists, uh, designers, writers, um, and some of whom are uh, technologists, um, have brought together uh, visions of technology with Ideas for a better society. So um, it's not about uh, a single uh, monolithic view of, uh, particularly scenario planning. It's not about uh, predicting what the future will be, but it's about making and designing a better future.
0: Okay, so that's an interesting point. So w- w- let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the folks that you, uh, some of the folks that you focused on in here. The uh, Engelbard, uh, sure, sort of Alan Kay's, all that other good stuff. The the, these folks who were, and this is an interesting point, were they designing for the future or were they designing for the present?
1: Uh, well, I think that uh, Alan Kay and Douglas Engelbart uh, definitely had in mind um, how computing technologies could play a role in improving society and making a better future. Um, they, uh, they weren't uh, satisfied with the current state of how people would communicate and work how people would learn and how education would uh, uh, would happen so um uh, so uh, in the case of douglas Engelbart, he is aware that uh, there's a starting point that uh, we're at we're in a particular present and uh, he saw a way to incrementally improve things uh, to use a process he called bootstrapping uh, and to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and work toward a future in which we would be able to augment our intellect. He had this idea of augmenting human intellect. Um, And and that's really his contribution, I think, uh, a a system with many different aspects that uh, envisioned how computers um, could be used to amplify human thought and could be used to um, improve the way that we think and work. Um, he's, of course, he's remembered as the inventor of the mouse. That's that's what, uh, sure. when he died, that was, you know, what the headlines uh, mostly said. And um, uh, that's a very, very small part of what he did. Uh, he made many additional uh, uh, contributions, even in terms of, uh, you know, particular systems and devices, but his overall vision uh, was was really what was important, and it was a vision of the future, and he, he even wrote um, uh, in... Uh, uh, Grant uh, and, and uh, foundation documents and and uh, uh, he, he wrote uh, from the perspective of a future user of this technology, thinking about how uh, somebody, this uh, hypothetical scientist Joe, who had his intellect augmented um, by this computer system, would be able to work more efficiently. So um, this this was. Um, uh, a vision of the future that involved technology, involved society, uh, involved cognition and thinking, and um, uh, it wasn't—it wasn't just an attempt to um, uh, to invent something that was nifty or, or to disrupt a current situation to uh, um, uh, to exploit uh, the situation. It was uh, it was movement toward um, uh, better overall future.
0: Did that did that vision come true? Do you think that this idea of augmented uh, computing is that is that what we what we're dealing with now, or is it something different? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, well, I think that uh, people like uh, uh, Vannevar Bush, uh, sort of the earliest of the digital media figures who I write about uh, in some uh, uh, um, uh, part of the book, and along with Douglas Engelbar and along with Alan Kay, who's uh, who's with us still, Ted Nelson, who's. Who's still with us? Uh, inventor of the term hypertext. Um, all of these figures were uh, very significant in shaping what our computing future is today. Um, of course, you know, not uh, not everyone in the same uh, um, uh, not not everyone has the same type of computer use. Uh, not everyone in the world has the same access to computers. Um, so we don't have uh, we don't all share um, from the, from the standpoint of um, the uh, late 1960s, for instance, we don't all share the same future of computing. Um, we, we, we have a different uh, sort of environment. Um, we do have an, an environment where people have the ability to create computer programs and share them online, um, where people can, uh, even if they're not professional programmers, uh, they can learn to make software and to, uh, uh, to develop that uh, collaboratively. Um, and they can work on projects together, they can make contributions. Um, So um, uh, they can uh, um, do different sorts of lifelong learning as well using the computer. So I think that um, to a great extent what what Douglas Engelbart and Alan Kay had in mind uh, with uh, Engelbart's innovations that he showed off in the mother of all demos, um, hypertext, uh, video conferencing, Word processing, uh, a huge uh, variety of, of uh, revolutionary ways to work. Um, certainly, those those have come true, and the fact that we're uh, talking by teleconference and uh, um, that we have uh, podcasts and that we have uh, um, uh, video online um, is something that was uh, um, attributable uh, in part to Douglas Engelbart. Um, mm-hmm the fact that we have personal computers and that we can carry our computers around, that they're like books, they're these humanistic objects that uh, um, we can relate to if we want, like with time trackers, we can think about them as diaries, we can think about them as uh, journals, uh, we can do journalism with them, you know, that's something that um, uh, is due in part to Alan Kay, in large part, I think, to his vision of, uh, of the computer. Um, so I, I do think that um, a lot of the positive aspects of the future that were imagined uh, have come about. Um, that's not to say that um, there aren't um, uh, less positive aspects of computing today also. So we, we could talk about those. But I, but I think that um, there have been some, uh, um, some remarkable developments since the um, uh, um, you know, mid to late 20th century um, in computing. And uh, people who've thought about technology and society together and really have uh, developed visions in, in, in detail um, have contributed to that immensely.
0: Okay. What does it take? What, what are the, what's the tool set for uh, somebody who predicts the future? Uh, what do you need to study? Or what did these folks have in common?
1: none of these people that I'm talking about are predictors of the future mm-hmm. they're people who made the future so um, Alan Kay didn't say in the future we're going to have uh, a lifelong education and people are, you know, of all ages will be able to use the computer to learn and I'm going to exploit that by developing a system he, he actually wanted to, um, to make the future like that So the thing that I see as distinct about uh, not only people like uh, uh, the digital media figures, but also the utopian writers, uh, people like Edward Edward Bellamy or uh, Charlotte Perkins Gilman in the United States, is that they reached out beyond prediction, and they wanted to uh, uh, develop and project a particular vision of the future that was going to be appealing in certain ways, and, uh, and that takes imagination. Uh, so it takes different things than, than prediction does. Prediction certainly has its place in certain cases when there are uh, environmental catastrophes and when um, there are geopolitical crises. You know, Obviously, it's, it's useful, uh, it's prudent to be, uh, to be thinking about uh, uh, the future from a predictive standpoint also. But I don't want the uh, perspectives that we have to be limited to that. And so that's why I looked at people who didn't limit themselves to prediction, um, but who actually uh, were inventing uh, and making and designing the future. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to do that, um, people need to uh, uh, collaborate. They need to uh, listen and work with others. Um, they need to imagine and share their imaginations of the future with others. So this is, you know, just is not being a crank, not having one's own, <laughs> uh, perspective. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a, there's a lot of brilliant, uh, uh, cranks out there, but if you're trying to figure out how technology and society fit together and how they can improve one another and, uh, how people, uh, can live in cities, you know, um, throughout the world in better conditions, then, um, that's, that's not going to cut it. you need to you need to uh, uh, think uh, with people and uh, and develop uh, positive imaginations of how that can happen. Um, so that's that's a big part of of what I looked at. And I think that's also some of the reason that um, uh, in addition to the the uh, new media and digital media figures that are that are central to the book and it's really motivated me to think about this in the first place, uh, also, um, I do write about um, these artists, uh, writers, uh, designers who uh, thought about the future um, in uh, these imaginative ways.
0: Who, who's exciting you the most uh, in terms of their vision, in terms of what they're working on? Uh, who do you think is going to define uh, the future like an Engelbart did?
1: Uh, well, I think there's still a lot of work uh, to be done toward um, Douglas Engelbart and Alan Kay's um, uh, uh, vision of the future. Um, I think that uh, personal computing is still a compelling and powerful idea. So, um, pe- you know, uh, the ideas of uh, cloud computing are very efficient um, in many ways for uh, for businesses. Um, but uh, having uh, something that's uh, like a notebook that's with you, um, that uh, uh, you're not taking a slice of time like a time-sharing machine. Um, mm-hmm. You're not relying on external uh, network storage. Um, you have access to it uh, even if you're on a plane flight uh, without Wi-Fi. You can be doing work. Uh, I think those are, the, those are still relevant uh, uh, ideas today. And um, I think that the idea that's, that's challenging that is you know an, an idea of... The computer as a media consumption device, um, which is very, very prevalent in today's society, and and people um, from a from a very young age, from from infancy, you know, are being uh, inculcated into thinking that tablets and uh, computing devices, mobile phones, particularly if you look at the at uh, uh, these these systems that we don't even really think of as computers. Um, but uh, that do have general purpose computing power, right? How they're um, uh, how they're treated, how people interact with them. Um, they're really used uh, to a great extent uh, to distribute media, and from the uh, from the standpoint um, of the person who uh, uh, who's using the computer, who's uh, who's accessing it um, to consume that media. Um, of course, that's a part of communication. But uh, I, again, I think the emphasis on it is too great. Mm-hmm. And when you have people who were uh, working with Alan Kay who were you know, 12 years old, who were writing computer programs and developing uh, uh, their own uh, animations and, uh, and programs, sharing them with each other um, uh, you know, many, many decades ago, then you see that there's the potential for uh, a wide variety of people to make contributions. Not not only um, to join a project on uh, on GitHub, uh, not only to be part of uh, free and open source software, which is a great thing to do and which I advocate, but also you know to work creatively with computers and express themselves and uh, and make contributions. Um, so that in addition to having you know, mass media, popular media that's available on computing, we have a range of different activities. Um, that's part of having a, that broad imagination that I was mm-hmm. mentioning earlier, um, is that it's, it's, it's not something that's, that's put out as a product, particularly. Um, although, uh, historically, companies have done uh, you know, very, very uh, compelling imagination about the future. But we don't want to limit it to um, the corporate sector. We want people um, from uh, all walks of life uh, to be able to program and use computing um, uh, as a means of, uh, of thinking about the future together and, and working together to uh, mm-hmm. uh, to improve what their life and what society would be like.
0: So that's fascinating. So the the idea that broadcast, I guess, I guess it's almost, uh, we created the internet in our own image. We had created the Im- internet in, a, in the image of a television broadcast system. And we kind of got stuck with that. But you're saying that we could go back, feasibly go back to the days of Well and Whole Earth Catalog. And, uh, and all these guys who had, had saw this as more of a, a blossoming of human intellect as opposed to a blossoming of the ability to post a YouTube video of opening a, I don't know, a Kinder Egg or something like that. There's a there's a distinct yeah, distinct uh, utopian vision that we're that we missed that we essentially just flew right by.
1: Well, well, there, I think there's a lot of things going on on the internet, so I don't think we're past uh, the the potential for uh, for digital media and for communication online and and for exchange of digital artifacts um, to be transformative. Um, uh, it's true that um, you know back around. Um, in the mid '90s, and even uh, a little bit more than a decade ago, uh, there's a different uh, landscape to uh, mm-hmm. the web and to the internet. And so, one of the things that I found surprising in the uh, the, mid, um, uh, the, the mid the mid '90s, the mid the mid 2000s, the first the first uh, decade of uh, of the century, um, is that most of the things that I read when I went on online, you know, were mostly not uh, uh corporate written or edited they were uh blog posts by mm-hmm. people who I, I knew some of them in person i knew some of them online um and to a great extent actually still a lot of the things i read are um the writings of individuals with less traditional editorial structures um although obviously the um uh there's social media today that is controlling more of the discourse there's other um, uh ways that uh, uh that uh, communication um has been uh has been shaped not always uh positively um so at the same time uh, you know there's a bunch of people so <laughs> uh one of the things I'm I'm involved with as a as a writer um and programmer is the interactive fiction community mm-hmm. and um, uh, interactive fiction which has not had any any um, you know major major presence noticeable presence in the um, uh, commercial gaming industry for for quite a while since the late 1980s um, there's people uh, making this work making these games uh, um, that are um, as really as professionally done and written um, as uh, as in their commercial heyday and uh, and uh, as an amateur practice, you know, giving them away, uh, submitting them to uh, contests, uh, making them available. So the annual interactive fiction competition um, most recently uh, received uh, for several years running, uh, it's had the, the highest number of entries. We had 79 entries this year. And mm-hmm. um, uh, and work in other types of electronic literature and other types of, um, of, uh, of work, such as digital poetry, um, we're seeing now that, you know, we're noticing more work that's happening uh, globally in different languages, and translation of these projects is happening. Um, so, um, and, you know, people are also doing radically different sorts of uh, computer games, that so things that... Um, uh, that are expressing, um, issues of, uh, of trauma and identity, um, not just, uh, indie games where you have, you know, an analog to, um, independent film, but, um, the sort of art games, alt games, uh, and, you know, people doing work on, um, maybe a much smaller scale, um but uh, with a much more radical, interesting, uh, experimental perspective very often. So that's all part of what's going on on the, uh, on the Internet these days. I, you know, and, um, uh, and I think it is a space where you know, there's still plenty of room for imagination um, and for uh, imagining uh, how we live together, how we come up with, um, uh, with better ideas about our online and offline life.
0: All right, sounds great. So let's see, we're going to go to, uh, where can folks get your book right now? Uh, it's MIT Press, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, it's an MIT Press book. It's part of the Essential Knowledge series. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a, a good number of these that uh, in some places would be in bookstores, uh, maybe somewhere near the register. There are these small books that are mm-hmm. amenable to, you know, reading on an a, a airplane trip or or, you know, taking for the weekend
0: like read. chicken soup for the soul uh,
1: not that small <laughs> and uh... and perhaps uh... perhaps a little bit more okay, uh, okay. <laughs> perhaps a little more substantial uh, and and definitely more quirky um, but um, uh... but they they're trying to cover topics that you know um, are uh, in some cases of uh, uh, business general popular sorts of interest relating to science and technology and um, uh, so there, uh, there's a lot of good books in the series, and there's there's more coming um, in the next uh, uh, next MIT Press catalog. So I'm really glad to be uh, part of that series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it is it is available from um, from the MIT Press directly, and from any uh, uh, online bookseller and uh, okay. and you know brick and mortar bookseller. So all
0: right. Uh, Nick, thank you for joining us. This is uh, this is fascinating stuff. This is uh, this was sort of a breath of fresh air because we usually talk about what 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 space cars are going to be driving, but I think you have uh, you have a nice uh, <laughs>
1: yeah a nice handle do, on
0: what it takes to make the future right.
1: Well, yeah, we do have we do have a, a rocket ship on the on the cover of, uh, yeah, yeah. of the book, and um, <laughs> you know one of the one of the um, cases that I look at is Norman Bel in this uh, Futurama exhibit,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which the. Uh, cartoon series was named after, of course, uh, which happened at both of the New York World's Fairs in the 20th century. Um, so um, people have thought about, mo- you know, these issues of mobility, uh, how to get around, um, but the the issue is really how people live their lives better and, and, and um, how they're able to uh, communicate and meet, how they're able to talk, um, and not so much... Um, you know the specific nature of the space car or jetpack and so forth. So uh, jetpacks would be very nice, but I think you know our conversations probably facilitated uh, better by um, uh, software that allows us to talk online and uh, and you know let you record the conversation easily. Yeah, well, I mean let's, it's hard to, let's to, it's hard to hold it. an
0: interview while you're flying uh, arm in arm in a jetpack uh, over the over the which I'm call The East River,
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you probably you probably have to land, and that the they're very environmentally <laughs> bad. Also, I well, mean,
0: we're, we're gonna figure something I mean, out eventually. The Solid to...
1: fuel is not <laughs> is not really. Yeah. It's,
0: uh... Nick, thank you for joining us on Technotopia. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure.
1: Yeah. All right. Great talking with you. Thank you. Thanks, John. Uh, take care.
0: Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the Internet in a fun new way or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com